Uh-huh. Getting close. I'm, I'm on, aren't I? I've managed to get the technology right this morning. And um, well, welcome to UVC this morning and welcome to those out in the lounge. I'm not sure if everyone's come in here because we had some sound issues out there, but we've got a nice group in here anyway. So, but if there is somebody sitting out in the lounge, I hope you can hear me and welcome. And it's, it is good to be together, isn't it? And just leading on from that, that song, making room, surrendering, what a good place to be to start looking into God's word together. So let me pray as we enter into this time. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here mightily with us this morning. Father, I ask that individually and collectively we are just in tune with you this morning. And as we look at your word together, may you speak deep into our hearts, whether it's from the words that we read, whether it's from the thoughts that I'm able to share, may we be able to learn together of how we step into more of surrender. We commit this time to you now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the message this morning is from Ephesians chapter five. It's following on from what Louis spoke on last week. In a lot of Bibles, that whole passage from Ephesians 4.17 right through to the 5.20 is all labelled the same as instructions for Christian living or living as children of the light. And so we're going to look at what that looks like. There's lovely references to awake in this passage. So it seemed to be right to call it awake. And um, it was lovely that we sang this morning, awake my soul and sing. So there's something about the power of just recognising we can constantly awake to more that God has for us. And um, so um, children of the light, that's another theme in this passage. And children just speaks to me of God's heart of love for us. And children... (laughs) Children were on Jesus' heart. You know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. So um, after listening to Louis's message from last week, he gave us a challenge, you know, to repent of pride in our lives. And I think seeing ourselves as children is a really helpful way to do that. Um, when we hear of the need to repent, I think we can take a couple of different approaches. We can either hold on to that pride and think that doesn't apply to me, or we can feel really guilty and beaten up and just feel, feel overwhelmed with our sin. And I think the image of children is a really helpful way to not go to either of those extremes, because if we come to Jesus 
with hearts as children, we're open to learn as children. We don't cover, come with our traditions. We don't come with all our pride. We don't come with all our answers. We come as children. But if we feel beaten up and bowed down and feel guilty about things, we also come knowing that God just loves us so deeply. And, and as children, we learn, we make mistakes, but, but we loved so, so much. So it's a good place to start. So awake children of the light. And um, we're going to, rather than look at each verse in detail, I want to focus on a couple, some themes this morning. So I think that um, we're going to focus on how to live as children of light, not darkness, how to live as wise, not unwise, and how to live as awake, not asleep people. So I'm going to read through our passage together, so feel free to follow on the screen, and um, I'm still learning how what large to get fonts, so we'll see how we go. Um, if you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your devices, that's fine. But we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. And I'm going to make a few comments as we go because it's a lot of verses. There's a lot in there and we're not going to expound absolutely everything. So I'll make some comments as we go and then we'll come back to a little bit of a refresher from Acts of the Ephesian history and um, then comment on some of those themes again. So... Here we go with Ephesians 5, this one. Yeah, I probably do need a bigger font for reading along, don't I? We'll see how we go. I think I can read, read, so hopefully if I'm reading, you can follow. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Just ponder that, dearly loved children. You know, and we're following God's example because we're his dearly loved children. God's holiness and character are a family tray that he wants us to just have and develop. So as dearly loved children, we walk in the way of love. And we've heard walk worthy quite a few times over this series on Ephesians. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. It's another recurring theme in Ephesians, isn't it? God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, quite strong words coming up here, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's challenging, isn't it? Um, but I think you know, Jesus talked about his kingdom. He called, called us to be like children in his kingdom. Um, so God's kingdom's not a place either for sin or for false piety, but just sincerely coming as children. Um, we can't sincerely pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, if we're diverted from that. So that's a strong challenge for us. Going on, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, 
For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And we'll return to this a bit later. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light, we often think of this as fruit of the spirit, (laughs) interchangeable, I think, there, consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness but rather expose them it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light this is why it is said wake up sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It's interesting that it's a quote, and it's obviously taken from something familiar, the way it's set out in most Bibles um, set like that. And it's assumed to be an early Christian hymn, that little phrase, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And it, it is thought that it was probably used commonly as people were baptised, that as they came up out of the water, symbolising that they've died to the past and they're resurrected with new life of Christ. And what lovely thought, Christ will shine on you as they come out up of the waters of baptism. So going on, 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, Or as the King James says, redeeming the time. I love that phrase. It would be nice to be able to claim a bit more time. But we do need to use our time wisely because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I think this is probably our key verse for today. Continue that continual process of spiritual growth and daily surrendering um, how we walk worthily, being filled for God's glory. So as we're filled with the Spirit, we speak to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So worship together is just such an integral part, isn't it, of of being filled with the Spirit. So there are those two sides. We think of ourselves as a temple of the Holy Spirit and we, it's easy to think of that as an individual thing, but I think we thought about last time, we're also collectively being built into God's temple. So I just love the fact that there are sort of the two streams and it's very easy to be quite individual about what we think, but this is a collective Thing too. So, so as we are collectively filled, we will encourage one another in the way we worship together. Um, and we give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've finished it there, but it's interesting. Verse 21, which is sort of in between this passage and the next passage, tends to get tacked onto different sections in in different um, times, but it's submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And it's really that lovely bridging verse. It, it It reflects very much in what we're learning about today, but it also introduces the, the whole Christian um, household code passage that follows after this that 
we're not going to get into today. So, so I trust that those words speak to you in some way and, and just continue to ponder those words. I do encourage, as Louis has said a few times, just keep reading Ephesians. There is so much there that is relevant for us today and I think we see different things when we read it again. So a little bit of a background on Ephesians um, and I'm going to see if I can use my pointer. That looks like it's promising. Um, you may remember this map that you can hardly read anything. It sort of, um, I put that up last time not realising how difficult it was to see. But it does, it just shows that whole Mediterranean region and with Paul's different missionary journeys and just how far he travelled. It's quite incredible. Um, I'm hoping this enlargement may help us a little bit more. So it's still not all that easy to read. I can read it really well from here. But you can see if I've got my pointer working. Aha, uh -huh, I'm pressing the wrong button. There it is. Here we have Corinth um, in Greece. And over here, we have Ephesus. Um, so we've just got the little bit of area that Paul was working. So this dark line was his second missionary journey. So towards the end of his second missionary journey, Paul went from Corinth over to Ephesus. And when he got there, he was traveling with Priscilla and Aquila, who were probably the first missionary couple. Is that right, Coralie? <laughs> I just thought, you know, I haven't come across another that they're named and they were Paul's fellow missionaries. But he left them at Ephesus, so we'll think about that in a minute. Then he ducked on all the way back down over here to Jerusalem and then he travelled on up a third missionary journey. So you pick that up over here and then he comes back to Ephesus as part of his third missionary journey. So just while that's sitting there for a moment... I just thought we'd just refresh ourselves a little bit about, about Acts. And, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, I love their story. I love hearing about them. And um, Paul referred to them as his fellow ministers. And so they stayed in Ephesus when Paul went on and got ready for his third missionary journey. And there's a lovely account at the end of chapter 18 in Acts where Apollos, you might have heard that name too, so he came up from Alexandria, which is Egypt, so it's way off the map here. But um, he came to Ephesus as a God-fearing Jew and he taught very fervently in the synagogue. Um, and he knew about Jesus, but he didn't know past John's baptism. So we read that Priscilla and Aquila heard him and they invited him to their home and explained the way of God to him more adequately. Isn't that a lovely phrase, <laughs> explaining the way of God more adequately, just gently and sincerely expanding Apollos' understanding of the ministry of Jesus. And... Um, so Apollos was then able to minister effectively both in Ephesus and then he ducked back over to Corinth. So we pick, um, pick the reading up from Acts chapter 19 and we read that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered him, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. 
So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised. Um, so they just responded and, and went into that next level of being baptised in the name of Jesus. And we know the Great Commission, go into all the world, um, make disciples, baptise people in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. So they were baptised and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So what an intense time. They had their, their eyes open to more. They were baptised um, afresh and, and then they received the filling of the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 of them, men in all. So it was just a little group. You know, Ephesus was a city of 250,000. So we know that, that Priscilla and Aquila had been working in one area. Presumably this was another little group of disciples that Paul came across when he came back to Ephesus. And, um, but they had a powerful experience of, of understanding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So Paul went on the rest of Acts 19. There's some interesting things. Paul did a lot of extraordinary miracles. God did a lot of miracles through Paul. So that even things that we would think of seems a little bit odd, that handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and um, they were healed. And... Acts 19 also has the account that we've heard of about the silversmith, um, Demetrius, who was a bit troubled by the fact that he was losing his trade because he was um, making silver shrines for the, the Artemis temple, and people weren't buying as many of them. So there was obviously quite an, an incredible work of God happening that there was enough to affect the silversmith's trade in the town. And so we read about the amazing riot in, in um, Ephesus and Paul then leaving from there. So, so when Paul wrote to the Ephesian Christians some years later from Rome, they had a really practical understanding of, of all his teaching and knowing that the Holy Spirit had moved among them in a really powerful way. So when we read Ephesians, try and imagine what it was like for those early Christians who had just had a powerful encounter with God and then were learning how to live in their quite complicated city. Ephesus was a city that had lots of magicians and magic and the supernatural were, were honoured. So it was good for them to see that God was powerful and, and could change their lives. It wasn't a superficial power. It was a power that changed, changed lives deeply. So we might go back to some of our themes. Um, these Ephesians were encouraged to be children of light, not darkness. 
And just reading that again, verse one, follow God's example therefore as dearly loved children. Walk the way of love. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. I think it's fair to say that love is the key here. We had um, on the next slide, I think, um, Yvette, you found this somewhere. It's a lovely um, reading of Galatians, Fruit of the Spirit. Just remembering that love is key. You know, joy is love's strength. Peace is love's security. Patience or forbearance is love's endurance. Kindness is love's conduct. Goodness is love's character. And faithfulness is love's confidence. Love is very, very much the key here. And um, lovely verse from Romans 5 where it says, you know, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been giving us, given to us. So it's not surprising that as the Holy Spirit comes just filling us and pouring into our hearts, um, that love is what flows out. So it doesn't happen up here. We don't have to make all these decisions about how we live up in our heads and, and strive. As God's love just pours down, then that comes, comes out of us in a really beautiful way. So, salt and light are an expression of love. Does anyone have one of those on their fridge? We, yeah, yeah we, we had them all. I don't know who did the laminating and putting the little magnets on the back a few years ago, but I still look at this on my fridge. My son comments that it's not quite accurate because it shouldn't create the shadow that it creates. But anyway, I still think it's a really lovely example of, of salt and light. And those passages from, from, from Matthew where, where Jesus says, you know, we are the salt of the earth. Um, and we are the light of the hill. And I think it's so relevant for us here at Olverson Baptist. We, our church here is in this, oh, Dallas has got one as a bookmark in his Bible. Okay, so if you haven't got a fridge mat, you might have it tucked away as a, um, as a bookmark in your Bible. Thanks, Dallas. Um, our, our church here in this position just seems that we... Um, we are almost on a hill. We don't really have very many hills in Olverson, but we are at the end of the street here. And we are prominent. We're so prominent that someone's decided to steal our Alpha sign. So we're praying that they will be really blessed. Whatever they do with it, they will, they will be mightily blessed as they think about who is Jesus um, wrapped up in their sign or whether it's decorating, I don't know what it's doing, but it's not on our wall anymore. So we are in a prominent position here and we can be salt and light. You know, we were talking about um, 
our, the properties here and how much we have been blessed by faithfulness over the years of people to make sacrificial choices to purchase land so for our car parks and I guess that was that was our intent with purchasing one Risby when it came up and Wilson Place so that we have capacity to bless future generations here who have a faithful witness in this place and want to be salt and light in our town. There is space to do it from and and it's quite exciting to think, you know, what is our next vision going to be? We we are a church that has shrunk very significantly in size. Um, and and it's a challenge for us. Where do we go with that? How do we do a new thing to come out of that? But we pray that God is going to move mightily. And as that new thing happens, we'll be using all of this area that, that he has blessed us with. And we will be salt and light in our town. And we will be blessing people all over the world. We will have a heart for mission endeavour. We will just be able to really grow and bless abundantly as we take on board the salt and light. So, sorry, I've probably got a little bit distracted there. Cameron won't have any idea where I'm up to. Um, but take, yeah, be encouraged, salt and light. Um, our next our next phrase are the comparisons, and that these are all linked together. They probably all mean the same thing, really. But live as wise, not as unwise. Um, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Wisdom's such a key thing, isn't it? Proverbs is our classic book of wisdom. Um, Proverbs 4, 6 there, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. I can't help but make a little comment on the fact that wisdom is personified as female in Proverbs. But anyway, we'll just let that be <laughs> as a little aside. Um, you know, Jesus was wisdom in personal form too. And I think we, we often see his life and ministry as just God's wisdom shown to people and he had such amazing responses for every question he was asked, every situation he was challenged with, he spoke wisdom into it and so we have such an amazing guide as, as looking for wisdom but you know so much more, um, Holy Spirit living within us just gives us wisdom. So... We read in that latter part of Proverbs 4, there are some lovely verses in Proverbs 4, I could have read the whole lot, but the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the light of day. It's sort of tying wisdom and light together. But the way of wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And this is one of my favourite verses, above all, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So... Um, if we have God's spirit deep in our being, guard that, make it precious so that everything that flows from us is united with his spirit. I just have to show a couple of photos because I love these photos. Um, they come from our Alpha Retreat 
and the first one is the sunrise. Isn't that beautiful? The sun coming up over the water. Thanks to Liz for that, who went down and discovered that beautiful sunrise. And um, I think that the image of the righteous being like the morning sun rising, you know, as we reflect God's love, and like we are like the sun, which is, um, I love your analogy of the sunflowers. It's always a really good illustration. I had another illustration, and I haven't got a picture of it, but one morning I was walking along the beach um, looking towards West Olverston from our East Olverston beach end. And from that beach, you can't actually see the sun over the water. It rises over land, which is a bit sad, but obviously... Camp Clayton Turner is just the perfect spot to see the sun rise over the water. Um, so I was, the sun had risen and was just over land and looking up to West Olverston, there was this amazing light up on the hill in West Olverston and I was looking at it thinking, What's, is that a searchlight? What's going on? It was such an intense light. It was actually reflecting back down on me. And um, I was walking towards it, and it took a while to work out what it was. Um, but eventually I discovered that there is a house that has white painted walls up on the hill in West Olverston. And this house was reflecting the sun so intensely, it seemed like another light source. It was just incredible. It was almost like seeing that in reverse up on the hill in West Olverston on the side wall of this white house. And I thought, I wish I could reflect God's love that intensely. Just imagine soaking in the sun so much that we can just shine back with such intensity. So we haven't got any pictures of the sun shining brighter till the full light of day because it's not wise to take pictures of the sun in the middle of the day. And it's so bright. So it's bright enough early in the morning. And this next one I have to show courtesy of my lovely husband. Um, sunset sun also out at um, Camp Clayton. And we see the sun as it's setting, just shining up, illuminating the rail tracks. Isn't that lovely? So the sun, even at its least intense, right in the morning and late at night, still illuminates, still gives light. But we can be like the sun um, as it shines brighter during the day, as we live as children of light and just bless people around us. So our next dual, dual theme thing is um, awake, not asleep. So we read, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light in itself. So wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. What a beautiful promise that as we step into all the fullness that God has for us as Christians, our light, Christ's light does shine on us and therefore illuminates others. Um, reading through, this is from the Enduring Word Commentary, and they're, they're quoting Spurgeon. There's a few things I'll mention before we read that last quote. Um, but this looks at exhortation to awake 
comes to Christians. We're already saved, we already have his spirit living within us, but we can fall asleep and we need to wake and we need to be continually waking. Um, Now as Christians, we can be asleep and not know it. When you're asleep, you don't actually know that you're asleep, do you? Sort of, um, some people yeah, won't go there with fancy dreams, but, um, but generally when we're asleep, we don't know we're asleep. But when we wake up, we know that we have been asleep. And so the challenge to wake up, we'll probably only realise we were asleep <laughs> looking back in retrospect. Um, so this sleepiness in Christians is actually quite dangerous because we can do a lot of stuff while we're asleep. We don't realise we're asleep, we're going about our business, we're doing things, we're doing all our traditions, we're doing all the things that we do day by day, we're thinking, just putting one foot in front of the other and doing things that we've learned to do without really thinking about them. And we can do a lot of stuff while we're asleep. Um, We can speak when we're asleep, we can hear when we're asleep, we can walk when we're asleep, we can sing when we're asleep, we can think when we're asleep. So we don't realise we're asleep, (laughs) but we can just function. So it's actually really powerful. So I think this is key, the quote from Spurgeon at the end there, and I'm sorry, I really do need to do something about font size, but I can read here, the man who is asleep does not care what becomes of his neighbours. How can he while he is asleep? Some of you Christians do not care whether souls are saved or damned. It is enough for them if they are comfortable, if they can attend a respectable place of worship and go with others to heaven. They are indifferent about everything else. It's really quite telling, isn't it? It's powerful, powerful words from Spurgeon and a real, a real challenge to us to us. Not to be just going through the motions. We, we need to wake and be challenged of what that looks like for us. So, so I guess to the crunch, what does it look like to be wise and awake, children of light? Um, not just pious people not just going through the emotions. Don't need to be particularly eloquent, but I think sincerity is there. And and this verse 18, I'm sure, is very key to this. Um, Not being drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to another, one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. There's a sense that that is a continuing experience. We need always need more and more to be aligning ourselves and opening up our lives for God's spirit to fill us and flow out of us. Interestingly, the, 
in Colossians, which is a very parallel type of writing to Ephesians, and the similar passage in Colossians to where this passage is, says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, um, etc. So it's just interesting that Paul uses different phrases, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And in Ephesians he says, be filled with the Spirit. I think the two are very parallel. We get quite caught up with words. You know, the Trinity is very difficult to understand. <laughs> As, as a concept and understanding. And um, we use words interchangeably when we talk about God. And some of the time, I think, when we talk about God, we mean exactly the same as when we talk about Jesus and we mean exactly the same as when we talk about the Holy Spirit. And that's not surprising because God is one. So we get ourselves quite caught up and, and can probably become a bit legalistic about trying to separate out different things. And there are different functions and there are whole sermons to be preached on the, the different functions of, of the different aspects of God and the way we understand stand the Trinity. But ultimately, we need deeper relationship. And I guess our, our, our recognition here is we need deeper relationships with Christ, we need deeper relationships with other, but deeper relationship with God, Christ, Holy Spirit is really all in the same direction. And it just, it comes down to surrender. It comes down to being prepared to allow God to just flood us um, and, and minister through us in every aspect of our life, not in little compartments, in all the domains of our life, whether it's our family, our work, our church, or all of these things. So um, I'm going to go to the passage in John where Jesus talks about sending the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. There's a lot there, isn't there? Um, Jesus and God are one. Um, we are in Christ and he is in us through his spirit. It's really um, hard to grasp all of that, but it's really important that we lean in and yearn for knowing God better. We're not chasing experience, we're chasing God and, and leaning in to have all that he has for us. So Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 is one that, I love coming back to 
where he says, he prays that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, you know, the core of us, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. So we know we've been sealed with the spirit who's given us as a guarantee of our faith, but through Holy Spirit living in us, Christ dwells within us through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Being filled with all the fullness of God is an amazing privilege for each of us individually, for us corporately, to know that God is here with us. And we don't do this this life on our own. And we together seek to find his will for what he would have us do, do here. So just finishing with a reminder that as we're growing deeper relationships with Christ and each other, we're seeing God change lives through me. Um, We can go out and be awake this week. We can walk as children of light. We can be filled with his spirit. We can seek more and more of him day by day. And I pray that this week that will be meaningful to you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you know us so deeply. You love us so deeply. You know everything there is to know about us. And um, Father, I ask that we take this time now to just surrender. We're going to sing about grace and we know that your grace is amazing. But let's surrender daily, not just thinking back to conversion experiences or other experiences, but a commitment to daily surrender, to be filled with your spirit, that we might live as children of light, that we might live wisely, that we may be awake. Father, I ask that you fill us anew with your precious Holy Spirit. Amen.